What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the career of actress Margaret Qualley and the movies The Fallout and Bergman Island. First, let's talk about the career of actress Margaret Qualley. Her first big role was in the HBO series The Leftovers with Justin Theroux, Carrie Coon, and Liv Tyler. The show depicted a catastrophic event that took away 2% of the world's population. It was a well-reviewed show that wasn't super popular. One of the early film roles of Qualley's career was in The Nice Guys, one of the funniest films of the 2010s, along with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Qualley's first lead performance was in the movie Novitiate, along with Melissa Leo. In the film, Qualley is playing a girl who is becoming a nun around the same time of the Vatican XI, where the church was updating their standards and practices, moving into modern times, while Melissa Leo's character wants to stay with the old standard and is fighting back against the change. It's a very good movie with an interesting tone. The first time I really noticed Qualley was in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where she plays a seemingly fun-loving hippie who is hitting on Brad Pitt's Cliff Booth. Their scenes together are some of the best of the movie. Think about how stacked that cast is. You had established stars, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie, along with the rising stars, Maya Hawke from Stranger Things, Sydney Sweeney from Euphoria and the White Lotus, Austin Butler, who's going to be Elvis in a Baz Luhrmann film, and of course, Margaret Qualley. I think one of the biggest reasons Margaret Qualley has become a modern star is because she transitions between television and movies. The age of picking between the two are over. Zendaya does the HBO show Euphoria, plus the Spider-Man movies. Anya Taylor-Joy does Emma, plus the Netflix miniseries The Queen's Gambit. Elle Fanning is great in The Great, along with a film like All the Bright Places. And Margaret Qualley has done free shows and countless films. These four actresses in my mind are the future of Hollywood and I think as long as they continue to do both of those things movies and shows they're going to continue to dominate because really all four of them are reaching every type of audience they are reaching the people that are binging eight hour shows in one day and they are reaching the people that want to watch a movie once upon a time in Hollywood was a hit film it was directed by Quentin Tarantino everyone saw Margaret Qualley in that movie and everyone I know has seen Qualley in the Netflix series Made, which I think is up to this point Margaret Qualley's best career performance along with her mother Andy McDowell, best known for the movies For Wedding and a Funeral and Groundhog Day and Nick Robinson from A Teacher and Love, Simon. In Made, Qualley gives one of the best portrayals of young motherhood I've ever seen. When you watch the show, it's painful seeing how good a mother her character Alexandra is to her daughter and all the issues she has to deal with. I would go as far as to say Qualley has given the best television performance of 2021 and it will be criminal if she doesn't win an Emmy for it. Now, I think it's fair to mention that I did say this about Anya Taylor-Joy in The Queen's Gambit and she did not go on to win the Emmy. Don't make the same mistake. Give Margaret Qualley the Emmy. The most underrated performance of her career is in the movie My Salinger. In it, Qualley plays Joanna who is an aspiring writer who moves to 
New York and becomes the assistant of the literary agent of legendary aloof writer J.D. Salinger. Qualley's co-star in the film is Sigourney Weaver from Alien and Ghostbusters fame. They have great chemistry and in it, Qualley gives a wonderful performance playing someone who is surrounded by great writers but won't admit to others and herself that she wants to be one. The best year of Qualley's career is in 2019. She had a supporting role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, sharing all of her scenes with Brad Pitt. The moment her character turns on him is chilling, and that same year she was nominated for an Emmy for Best Supporting Actress for Fosse Verdon for playing Dancer and Wrecking, with Sam Rockwell as Bob Fosse and Michelle Williams as Gwen Verdon. And she had a small supporting role in Seaburg with Kristen Stewart, Anthony Mackie, Vince Vaughn, and Jack O'Connell. She gave three memorable performances and shared the screen with iconic actors. It's hard to get any better than that. Qualley's next roles will be in the movie Sanctuary with Christopher Abbott, The Stars at Noon with Joe Alwyn, written and directed by Claire Denis, Poor Things with Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe, written and directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, and Qualley in the future is set to play Ginger Rogers in the film Fred and Ginger with Jamie Bell playing Fred Astaire. And if she pulls that performance off, that feels like a first Oscar nomination type of role. I mean, if she really nails Ginger Rogers, she's going to get nominated for an Oscar. Here's the list of Margaret Qualley performances I highly recommend you watch. The Leftovers, The Nice Guys, Novitiate, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Fosse Verdon, Seaberg, My Salinger, Year and Maid. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie The Fallout. Here's a quick synopsis. High school student Veda is dealing with the aftermath of a school shooting and she begins to form new bonds with fellow students over the tragic event while struggling to get back to her everyday life. The film stars Jenna Ortega, Maddie Ziegler, Niles Fitch, Will Rope, Julie Bowen, and Shailene Woodley. This is a movie I heard good things about and then it ended up being on HBO Max and then I fell in love with it and it's because of the standout performance from the lead Jenna Ortega who delivers the first great performance of 2022. I was blown away with how she was able to give a fun movie star performance in a movie with such a heady subject matter all while remaining authentic. It is a tough balancing act but she pulls it off brilliantly. She is a future bona fide movie star in the making and she's having a big moment. She's one of the stars of the new Scream movie that so far made over 90 million dollars at the box office and she is set to play Wednesday Adams on Tim Burton's Adams Family show titled Wednesday on Netflix along with Catherine Zeta-Jones. The role of Wednesday was of course made iconic by Christina Ricci who plays her in the Adams Family movies and Adams Family values. The future looks extremely bright for Ortega who already at 19 can carry a film. And I'm not saying the other actors in this movie are bad, it's just sometimes there's such a glaring great performance that it completely takes over a movie. It's not showy, it's not in your face, but she's just there and she is the most interesting thing on screen and those are my favorite type of performances. She's not over the top in this movie at all, which a lot of teen performers would do if they were the lead of a movie like this. She is just being charming and witty and it's just one of the best performances I've seen in quite a while. And that's always the best. When you've never heard of someone, like I had never heard the name Jenna Ortega before in my life, and then I watched this movie, and now I think she's going to be a massive, massive star. I felt the same way about Taylor Russell after I saw the movie Waves. It's those type of performances that it's just like, this person is a movie star now in my mind. 
I don't care about the rest of their filmography. Her performance is enough of a statement for me to say she is a movie star. And now I'm actually interested in to see the new Scream movie, a film that I had no interest to prior. Now I want to see it because Jenna Ortega is in it. She's one of those actors that you can now sell a movie to me on her name alone. If she's in it, I want to see it. The Fallout is the directorial debut of Megan Park, who herself is an actress best known for playing Grace on the teen drama The Secret Life of the American Teenager, which starred Shailene Woodley, who shows up in this film. Park also wrote the movie. It's super impressive first film. It's hard to make an entertaining movie about such a thought-provoking subject matter, such as school shootings. This movie has sold me on her career as a filmmaker, because there's not one moment that feels like a bad after school special. It's not preachy about the subject matter, like it's not telling you, well this is how this should be like some of these movies are. This movie is not judgmental about its characters, it just feels like a movie that came right out of real life and those are the best type of movies. Sometimes films about big button societal issues feel like melodramas and don't feel realistic. That's not the case with the fallout. This film has a great tone, mixed with raw, intense emotions. One of the things I loved about the movie is how it shows that Veda has changed as a person forever, not just for a moment, and she's formed strong bonds with Mia, played by Maddie Ziegler, and Quentin, played by Niles Fitch. Her life is never going to be, quote, normal ever again, because in the moment of the shooting, she was helpless, and then is left to ponder horrific questions like, why did I live while others didn't? The movie deals with trauma in a tender way. I also like how Veda's relationship with her best friend Nick, played by Will Rope, has changed because he has become a vocal activist against school shootings, while she is unable to do so because she's suffering in her own quiet way. I love how the movie depicts how a tragic event can both bring you together and drag you apart. The movie also delivered a terrific ending, which I won't spoil. I loved how it's not a touchy, happy ending because a movie about school shootings should not end with everything settled because this issue in real life is far from settled. It's extremely rare for a teen movie to feel grounded. Usually the performances are over the top and the fallout doesn't have any of those issues. It's just a really good movie that touches on a very prevalent issue in our society. I love this movie and highly recommend you check out the fallout. Now let's switch gears one final time and talk about Bergman Island. Here's a quick synopsis. A married couple, Chris and Tony Sanders, are both filmmakers who make a trek to Faro, the island where renowned director Igmar Bergman once called home. While there, Chris grapples with the life of Bergman and her own creative endeavors. The film stars Vicky Kripes, Tim Roth, and Mia Wojcikowska. The standout performances come from Mickey Kripes, who had an interesting 2021. She starred in Old and Beckett, two films that had potential but fell flat, Bergman Island is a bit of a bounce back and far and away her best performance since Phantom Thread. Tim Roth has been a great actor for a long time. He's known for his work with Quentin Tarantino on Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and The Hateful Eight. Recently, he was excellent in the film Loose with Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Naomi Watts. In Bergman Island, he's playing a successful filmmaker who is obsessed with his own work. And finally, Mia Wojcikowska. This is not the first time Wojcikowska 
has been fantastic in supporting roles. She was fantastic in Lawless, Only Lovers Left Alive as a Fun Vampire, The Devil All the Time, and now in Bergman Island. My favorite performers are the ones who can do both lead and supporting roles, and Vajie Koska can pull it off because she's always interesting. Cripes' next film is Survivor with Ben Foster, directed by Barry Levinson, Roth and Resurrection with Rebecca Hall, and Vajie Koska in Blueback with Eric Bana. The movie has a lot of fascinating elements all mixed together. It looks at how Igmar Bergman gave up on his personal life to become a prolific director, something that's not rarely, if ever, afforded to female filmmakers. And then you have a tenuous relationship between a couple who have the same creative desires and can't stop but be competitive towards each other. The main conflict is that Tony, played by Tim Roth, seemingly aspires to be Bergman, while Chris, played by Vicky Kripes, ponders why you can't be successful while also being faithful to your family. And I personally love movies that tackle this issue about how being creative can sometimes be super selfish. Like you saw this recently in that film Tick, Tick, Boom, where Andrew Garfield is playing the late Jonathan Larson. And in that film, Jonathan Larson chooses his own career over his girlfriend, basically. I know that's a rough way of putting it, but it's basically the truth. You also had Malcolm and Marie with John David Washington and Zendaya. In that film, John David Washington is playing a selfish director. Being a filmmaker is both selfish and selfless at the same time. Being creative is both selfish and selfless at the same time because you're being selfless in that you're giving other people entertainment. You're being selfish in that you're taking away from the people you probably love the most. You're not spending all that time being creative and hanging out with your family. You're being isolated and alone and very few people ask the type of questions that Chris's character asks in this movie. Well, what was that director like in real life? Normally, we only care about their prolific work. I have no idea how Stanley Kubrick was like as a person. I have no idea what that man was like. All I know is that he made a lot of really great films. And I think this movie rightfully so points out we as a society really know nothing about Igmar Bergman and how he was towards his family and we really don't care. We only care about his films like scenes from a marriage. I'm someone who is aware of Bergman but had no idea he took over an entire island and found it interesting that not everyone on the island were big fans. Also, Bergman Island tackles the main issues of Bergman's work, the relationship between men and women, and looks at it with a somber view. It's very faithful to Bergman in that way. Even if you're not a big fan of Bergman, this is still a movie worth seeing. It's one of the best looking films of 2021 and by the end you'll be questioning what was real and what was fake. It's a cool artsy movie that both pays ode to the work of a legendary filmmaker while also questioning his legacy overall and you don't see that a lot of the time. Lately there have been a lot of really good indie movies about being a filmmaker. You have The Souvenir, Black Bear, and now Bergman Island and I hope movies like these ones continue to be made because I am fascinated by by the careers of these directors. If you think about it, the director of a movie is the one most responsible for the movie and most of the time it ends up being the person we know the least about. We know the most about movie stars, especially American movie stars. We don't know that much about Stanley Kubrick. We don't know that much about Igmar Bergman. I also think this movie just isn't for everyone. It's a slow paced type of film. You really have to think about what the movie is about and it helps to have somewhat of a relationship with Igmar 
Lamar Bergman. Like, if you have never seen scenes from a marriage, you might have difficulty understanding what's going on with this movie because the movie mentions Igmar Bergman's name over and over and over again. There is something happening in indie movies lately that I'm a little puzzled by, and it's this idea of a movie within a movie. Now, at some point in this film, spoiler alert, Vicky Krapes is directing a film that stars Mia Wasikowska's character, and you're really confused, and they did the same thing in that movie Black Bear with Aubrey Plaza, and it changes your entire viewpoint on the movie, and then that's the moment where you question what is real and what isn't. This is working the first few times, but if they continue to do the movie within a movie thing, it's going to grow old and tired real fast. And I do think at some points this movie comes off as pretentious. Like, what is it saying about anything? Sometimes it's being so vague, you don't fully understand what's going on. And I'm okay with that. I really like movies, but I understand that this is a film that will not be for everyone. I think the most fascinating element of this movie is this couple who are in the same field and they are competing with one another, but won't admit it to themselves that they need each other's support, but the man thinks of this as a competition, while the woman says we can both be successful, and that doesn't seem like it's going to be possible for this relationship. I wish the movie delved deeper into that. It feels as if the Tim Roth character in this film is only supportive towards his wife because he is the more successful filmmaker. Could he take it if it were reversed? I don't think so. That's what I find to be the fascinating element of this movie, is the competition between these two filmmakers and how it's almost impossible for two creative people to be supportive towards one another. I read that this film almost starred different actors, that Greta Gerwig almost played the Vicky Kripes role and that John Turturro almost played the Tim Roth role, and that would have felt like a completely different type of a movie, and probably a movie I would have enjoyed more because of my relationship with those actors. I love Greta Gerwig, and I think John Turturro is one of the most underrated actors working today. Now, I really enjoyed Vicky Kripes, and I really liked Tim Roth, and they're both really good in this movie. But it's still fun thinking of a version of this film that starred Greta Gerwig and John Turturro. Weirdly, 2021 was a big year for Igmar Bergman. The deceased filmmaker had a bit of a bounce-back year, it's weird to say. I mean, Scenes from a Marriage came out on HBO. That was a remake of his movie that stars Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. I really loved that version of Scenes from a Marriage. I think it's kind of underrated at this point. I think it's Oscar Isaac's best performance of this year, and I think it's Jessica Chastain's best performance of this year. It came and gone. I'm not sure how many people actually watched it, but I highly recommend you watch Scenes from a Marriage. Then you have Bergman Island, which grapples with the legacy of this renowned filmmaker. It's really weird that we chose this moment to talk about Igmar Bergman and how we talk about his movies that deal with these tensious relationships and how they are still relevant today. It's like we're paying tribute to Igmar Bergman while also looking at his legacy overall, and I find that really fascinating. We should do it with more filmmakers. We should make more movies like this. I definitely recommend you check out Bergman Island, especially if you're a fan of the late great filmmaker. This movie is also so good looking. It was one of the best looking movies I've seen since Call Me By Your Name. It reminded me of that, like the look of the movie. You just wanted to immediately transport yourself to that island the same way you wanted to transport yourself to Italy after you saw Call Me By Your Name. And interestingly enough, both films have people riding bikes a lot. Thank you for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm your host, Cameron McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And this week, I put the 
Spotlight on the career of actress Margaret Qualley and the movies The Fallout and Bergman Island. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on the movies Nightmare Alley, starring Bradley Cooper, Cate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, and Willem Dafoe, directed and co-written by Guillermo del Toro, and the western Old Henry, starring Tim Blake Nelson. So tune into that, and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.